Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode may contain content not suitable for some audiences, including crimes against children, mentions of suicide, descriptions of a graphic nature, and adult language at times. Listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, I hope you're all keeping well. This week's episode is a little bit different to your usual cases. I read a little about this matter a few years ago, and it's something that I've found myself monitoring more and more over the years. Now I know we love it when a perpetrator of a crime receives a just sentence, but some sentences just don't fit the crime. On one end of the spectrum, there are murderers, child abusers, and violent rapists whose punishment doesn't always fit the crime. Then, there are crimes which, despite causing the victim great distress, there's no doubt about that, unfortunately don't fit the sentence, as you'll hear in today's episode. I see so many people on social media platforms who compare our justice system in Great Britain to those of other countries, but will you still feel the same way when you hear what is happening behind the concrete walls of our very own Her Majesty's Pleasure Facilities? Imagine being stuck in a never-ending nightmare with no hope of escape. Every day, the same routine confined to a tiny cell with nothing to do but stare at the walls. No end in sight, no light at the end of the tunnel. This has been the reality for thousands of prisoners in the United Kingdom, trapped in the Imprisonment for Public Protection, or IPP, sentence. When the IPP sentence was introduced in the early 2000s, It seemed like a perfect solution to keep dangerous offenders off the streets for longer periods of time. But 
it would quickly become an unjust nightmare for many prisoners and their families as they were caught up in the system that seemed to have no way out. What exactly was the IPP system and how did it come to be? What impact did it have on prisoners and their families? And how did it change the landscape of the UK prison system? In the United Kingdom, the prison system's history can be traced back to the early 19th century, when the first modern prison was built in 1816 in Millbank, London. Five ten-year tariffs could be imposed on those prisoners thought to be ripe for reform. However, the facility was not always reserved for long-term imprisonment. In fact, in its earlier years, it served as a temporary holding space for felons before their transportation. In the early days of the prison system, punishment was seen as the primary goal of incarceration. Prisoners were often subjected to harsh conditions and physical punishment, with the belief that this would deter them from committing crimes in the future. For the first modern prison, this was no exception. Inside the walls of Millbank Prison, life was grim. Prisoners weren't allowed to speak to one another or socialise in any way for the first half of their sentences. They wore masks so they couldn't see each other's faces during periods of exercise, and there was a single-cell occupation rule throughout the prison. Inmates were given small, repetitive tasks, like turning a screw until it clicked, and were expected to achieve a certain number of revolutions before being permitted to stop. It was believed that this would teach them the value of hard work and perseverance. But even these tasks weren't enough to satisfy the demands of prison officials. They wanted something that would not only keep inmates occupied, but also serve as a form of punishment. Treadmills were installed in prisons, and inmates were forced to walk on them for hours at a time. The physical exertion was meant to be a deterrent to future criminal behaviour, but it also had the unintended consequence of causing injury and illness to those forced to endure it. As time went on, and a wave of prison buildings swept through the country as the government sought to deal with overcrowded jails, the focus on the prison system in the United Kingdom shifted from mere punishment to rehabilitation and reformation. This was driven, in part, by the work of reformers such as Elizabeth Fry. Elizabeth Fry is widely recognised as one of the most influential figures in the history of the United Kingdom prison system. Born in 1780, Elizabeth was a social reformer and philanthropist who dedicated her life to improving the conditions for prisoners and advocating for their rights. Her interest in prison reform was sparked by a visit to Newgate Prison in London in 1813. Appalled by the inhumane conditions she witnessed, she began to lobby for change. Her efforts were not initially well received, 
in a society that saw prisoners as little more than criminals to be punished, the idea of improving their living conditions seemed frivolous. Undeterred, Elizabeth persisted. She began visiting Newgate Prison regularly, providing basic supplies like food and clothing to the inmates. She also began teaching them to read and write and provided them with religious instruction. Her aim was not only to improve their immediate circumstances, but to give them the tools they needed to turn their own lives around. Elizabeth's efforts soon gained recognition, and in 1817 she was appointed to a committee tasked with investigating conditions in British prisons. She used her position to advocate for better health care, education and rehabilitation services for inmates. She also pushed for reforms to the criminal justice system itself, arguing that punishment alone was not enough to prevent recidivism. Her impact on the prison system was immense, and her advocacy led to improvements in sanitation, nutrition and health care, and helped to shift public opinion towards a more compassionate view of prisoners. She also played a key role in the establishment of separate facilities for female prisoners who were previously housed alongside male inmates. One major shift that took place was the shift towards a more centralised management of prisons. Prior to the 20th century, most prisons were run by local authorities with varying levels of oversight from central government. However, in the early 1900s, a system of regional prisons was established, with each region overseen by a single authority. The early 20th century saw a move away from the harsh, punitive approach of the past towards a more rehabilitative approach. The introduction of Borstal Institutions for Young Offenders and the Youthful Offenders Act of 1901 were part of this shift towards more rehabilitative measures. The Second World War brought even further changes to the prison system, as overcrowding became a major issue. Temporary prisons were set up to deal with the influx of prisoners, and the focus shifted once more towards providing basic accommodation and meeting the prisoners' basic needs rather than rehabilitation. It wasn't until the 1950s and 1960s that the prison system saw a renewed focus on rehabilitation and education with the introduction of training and education programs for prisoners. The 1960s also saw the introduction of probation and parole services, which aimed to help offenders reintegrate into society after their release. However, by the 1970s and 80s, the prison system in the United Kingdom was facing a new set of challenges, including the rising crime rates. There were several factors to the sudden rise in criminal activity. One of the most significant factors was the economic downturn of the 1970s, which led to high levels of unemployment and poverty. The decline of traditional industries such as coal mining and steel production 
left many areas in the country with few job opportunities, and many people, particularly young men, turned to crime as a means of survival. In the 1970s, the UK saw a significant increase in drug use, particularly the use of heroin and other opiates. This led to an increase in drug-related crime as addicts turned to theft and other forms of criminal activity to support their habits. Social and cultural changes during this time also contributed to the rising crime rates. The breakdown of traditional family structures, the increase in prevalence of single-parent households and changing attitudes towards authority and the law all played a role. The rising crime rates during this time led to a demand for tougher sentencing laws and a more punitive approach to criminal justice. The Criminal Justice Act of 1991 introduced a mandatory life sentence for third serious violent or sexual offences. This meant that individuals convicted of these offences would automatically be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. In 1992, the Criminal Justice Act abolished parole for prisoners serving life sentences for murder. This meant that individuals convicted of murder would have to serve a minimum term of imprisonment before being considered for release, and there was no guarantee that they would be released, even after serving their minimum term. The 1990s also saw the introduction of the concept of, quote, three strikes laws in the UK, which would impose mandatory life sentences for individuals convicted of a third serious violent or sexual offence. This approach was modelled on similar laws in the United States and was seen as a way of deterring repeat offenders. But it wasn't until the early 2000s when a new policy was introduced that the landscape of the United Kingdom's criminal justice system would change in a drastic and controversial way, creating far-reaching ripple effects that would impact countless lives. In 2005, the UK government introduced a new sentencing regime that was intended to keep dangerous criminals behind bars for longer periods of time. This sentencing regime was called the Imprisonment for Public Protection, or IPP, and it was created as part of the Criminal Justice Act 2003, a piece of legislation introduced by the Labour government under Prime Minister Tony Blair. It was intended to be a solution for the perceived problem of dangerous and persistent offenders being released back into society before they were deemed safe. It was a way to manage offenders who posed a risk to the public, but whose crimes did not warrant a life sentence. Under the IPP sentence, offenders would be given a minimum term of imprisonment, but would only be released once they had convinced the parole board that they no longer posed a threat to the public. This meant that some offenders ended up being kept in prison indefinitely as they were unable to meet the requirements for release. 
In theory, this new regime worked. It helped prevent further crimes from being committed, and it was a way to ensure that offenders received appropriate rehabilitation and support before being released back into the community. Offenders were required to complete certain courses and programs before being considered for release, which helped to address the underlying issues that may have contributed to some of their criminal behaviour. In this sense, the IPP sentence was seen as a way to help offenders turn their lives around and become productive members of society. While these aspects of the IPP sentence may have been initially seen as positive, they were ultimately overshadowed by the negative consequences of the system. The IPP sentence was reserved for the most heinous crimes, such as murder, rape and other violent offences. But as time went on, the sentence began to be applied more widely and many people who were not considered dangerous were given the sentence. As a result, many offenders were left languishing in prison for years without any clear path towards release. In 2012, the IPP system was abolished and replaced with a new sentence called the Extended Determinate Sentence, or EDS. The EDS sentence also carries a minimum term of imprisonment, but it does not have the same indefinite detention aspect as the IPP. However, there are still thousands of people who were sentenced to IPP before it was abolished who remain in prison. There have been calls and pleas from both the public and the families for their cases to be reviewed. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. In January 2006, 18-year-old father Sean Lloyd made a grave mistake that would have disastrous consequences. One night, he went out drinking with a friend when they noticed someone outside a shop with a mobile phone. The teenagers pushed the stranger to the ground and took the phone. It was a pivotal moment that would change Sean's life in ways he could never have imagined. After being chased and returning the phone, 
the victim called the police. The Cardiff-born teenager was handed an IPP tariff with a recommended minimum term of two years and nine months for his crime. But under the terms of the sentence, he could be held until whenever the parole board saw fit. Sean would complete every course asked of him by the authorities. But as time went on, the years trickled by and there seemed to be no end in sight. Soon, the minimum term of two years had come and gone, but Sean was still behind bars. He had spent eight years in prison for robbery, during which his mental health rapidly deteriorated. During his time locked up, the endless days behind bars were taking their toll. Sean started to lose hope, and in a moment of desperation, he attempted to take his own life. After his suicide attempt, Sean's fellow inmates suggested prescription drugs as a way to cope with his depression and numb the pain. It was a slippery slope, and by the time Sean was released for the first time in 2014, after 10 years in prison, he had developed a drug addiction. On top of his drug addiction, Sean had lingering mental health issues. The years he had lost were weighing on him, and he was struggling to adjust to life outside of prison. He tried to seek help from probation officers to deal with his addiction, but he was rebuffed from any attempts to gain access to rehab. In 2017, he was recalled to HMP Cardiff after failing a drug test and being named in connection with a police investigation that was quickly dropped due to lack of evidence. Sean was subsequently thrown back in jail. It's only one of the many controversial aspects of IPPs. There are rules that must be followed if prisoners are ever released, and at any time, those released prisoners can be recalled to custody during their license period. Sean was recalled another two times. As much as he may have wanted to move on with his life and be a productive member of society, the fear of being sent back to prison after release hangs over Sean's head daily. And he isn't alone. There are thousands of IPP prisoners whose stories bear striking similarities to Sean Lloyd's. Leroy Douglas was given an IPP sentence for stealing a phone during a street robbery in 2006. Like Sean, Leroy was given a two-and-a-half-year tariff, but it was a prison sentence with no end. There was shocking evidence that Leroy was refused parole after authorities compiled a dossier that included non-existent offences. The year was 2020, and Leroy Douglas was anxiously waiting for a decision from the parole board. He had applied for parole, hoping that he would finally be granted his freedom. However, his hopes were quickly dashed when he received the written decision. The board had turned down his request for parole, citing the seriousness of his past offending. Under the section titled, Analysts of Offending, the board had written, In 2003, the seriousness of your offending escalated and you received a four-year sentence for robbery. But there was a problem with the board's decision. Leroy had been behind bars for a separate sentence for the entire year of 2003. He could not have possibly committed any crimes during that time. It was a clear mistake, an inaccurate report that had been produced by the board. 
The decision was a crushing blow for Leroy, who had been incarcerated for far too long already. It wasn't until 2021, a year after the flawed report, that Leroy was finally deemed safe to transfer to an open prison. But the damage had already been done. Leroy had lost another year of his life behind bars. The injustice of it all was overwhelming. Despite the clear injustice in this case, the struggle for Leroy Douglas to obtain justice and secure his release from prison continues to this day. The parole board's initial decision to deny Leroy's request for parole in 2020 was based on erroneous information. Even after this error was discovered, Leroy faced repeated delays and obstacles in his quest for freedom, with his hearings postponed due to lack of information and failure of legal representation to appear. As a black man, Leroy had also had to endure the added hardship of racism within the prison system, which has made his experience behind bars all the more frightening and isolating. His case has been further complicated by the fact that he had been moved to over 30 different prisons, with many speculating that this constant upheaval and shoddy record-keeping is a large contributor to his prolonged incarceration. It's both alarming and disheartening to note that the case of Leroy Douglas is not an isolated incident. Gareth O'Hagan, another prisoner serving an IPP sentence, was also affected by Erinus Records when he applied for parole. His file contained charges of domestic abuse, honour domestic abuse, and involvement in forced marriages. One charge claimed that he had stolen the keys to his girlfriend's car. But Gareth had never been in a relationship, didn't drive, and shockingly, was in prison when the supposed crime occurred. In a similar vein, 40-year-old Martin Myers from Luton has been serving an IPP sentence since 2006. In 2013, he was mistakenly accused of being a sex offender in a letter from the parole board that was seen by his fellow inmates. As a result, he was savagely attacked and beaten. It's disheartening to see how flawed records and inaccurate information can cause devastating harm and lead to life-changing consequences for prisoners who are already struggling to navigate a difficult and unfair system. In June 2015, Martin made a complaint to the prison service after he was attacked by three men who made it clear that they were targeting him because of his supposed sexual offences. The Ministry of Justice admitted its mistake and offered money as compensation, but no effort was made to correct either his record or his reputation with other prisoners, and he was attacked three more times in 2017 and 2018. It wasn't the first time errors had been made in Martin's life. In another letter, there was a reference to Martin being a hostage-taker, but those claims could never be verified. Martin, like many IPP prisoners, has become discouraged and broken over time, hopeless that he may never be able to rebuild whatever is left of his life. For these prisoners, they have to wait to be released and watch as their own family members pass away 
with no end to their sentence in sight. The IPP sentences have created a cruel paradox where the mental health of prisoners has been severely impacted. Mental health services are limited within prisons, and these unjust sentences have led to lasting trauma, leaving prisoners vulnerable to self-harm, suicide, and the physical effects of untreated mental illness. The unending sentence faced by Leroy Douglas has taken a significant toll on his mental health, contributing to his behaviour within the prison. This behaviour was cited as yet another reason to deny him parole in 2020, compounding the already devastating impact of the Catch-22 situation that IPP prisoners face. Through no fault of his own, Leroy has been moved to segregation units and put on suicide watch. The effects are brutal, and tragically, some prisoners never make it out alive. One such prisoner was named Tommy Nicholl, a 37-year-old man from Harrow, London, who was given a minimum tariff of four years for robbery, but he had served six years with no immediate hope of being released. Despite the parole board recommending that Tommy complete a course of therapy, like many IPP prisoners, he was unable to secure a place. In another devastating blow, Tommy was moved to the Mount Prison, where the recommended placement wasn't even available. Three days after he was moved, he self-harmed and set fire to his cell. Tommy was moved to segregation in the early hours of September the 18th, 2015, where he seemingly suffered from a psychotic break stamping on his fingers and threatening to gouge his own eyes out. Just three days later, on the 21st of September, Tommy was found in his cell in the segregation unit with a ligature around his neck. He died a few days later at Watford General Hospital. Despite Tommy's bizarre and disturbing behaviour, no mental health assessment was carried out in contravention of the prison guidelines. Tommy received no mental health input in the four days he spent in segregation, despite spending over 24 hours in an unfurnished cell, which was akin to solitary confinement. Another IPP prisoner named Stephen Trudgill was found hanging in his cell at HMP High Point Prison on the 9th of January 2014. He had been taken into custody at the age of 18 in November 2008, charged with arson with intent to endanger life. He was convicted in March 2009 and received an IPP sentence with a minimum period to serve two years and two months before he could be considered for release. Although Stephen seemed to have a complex mental health history dating back to his childhood, the six years he had spent in the prison system would certainly cause further psychological damage and was likely a contributor, if not the sole cause, for his tragic suicide. 
There's strong evidence that mental health challenges are already frequent among prisoners who have often suffered from adverse childhood experiences. But the IPP sentence imposes an indeterminate timescale which is known to be psychologically difficult to cope with. The negative impact of prolonged uncertainty manifests into helplessness and a loss of hope. Not knowing when they can resume their lives creates additional stress, compounding the distress felt by the prisoners' families. On the 12th of April 2023, emergency services were called to Manchester Prison at around 4.30pm after an inmate had climbed onto the roof. The building, which is still known to many by its former name, Strangeways, is one of the country's largest high-security Category A men's prisons. During the protest, the inmate appeared to sketch the words free IPPs on the prison's roof in big white letters. He was heard repeatedly shouting the same phrase during the standoff. While average prisoners tend to serve half their sentence, IPP prisoners who are in prison for relatively minor crimes sometimes stay incarcerated for longer than murderers, rapists, paedophiles and organised criminals. The incident served as a stark reminder of the injustice that is still prevalent within the prison system, despite ongoing efforts for reform. It highlights the desperation of IPP prisoners who have been left and abandoned without hope or a clear path to freedom. These prisoners are left with no choice but to resort to extreme measures to draw attention to their plight. And it isn't just the prisoners who are affected by the IPP sentencing. The families of those incarcerated suffer too, often forced to watch helplessly as their loved ones remain trapped behind bars. The inmate's protest lasted for 12 hours before he willingly came down from the roof at around 4.15am early Thursday morning. A spokesperson from the prison said that staff were able to safely resolve the incident and that the prisoner in question will face punishment. For many, the inmate's actions were nothing short of bravery. His protest broke through the wall of silence, challenging the government that has continued to silence so many. Sean Lloyd's mother, Shirley de Bobno, continues to fight for IPP prisoners every day. Even after Sean's release, Shirley has made it her mission to help keep the spotlight on IPP and is a figurehead in the campaign to raise awareness. Her petition, which garnered over 45,000 signatures since its launch, has helped spread knowledge about those whose voices have been muffled by prison walls. She will stop at nothing until prisoners like her son get their own chance at freedom. The IPP sentence was a flawed and unjust system that ruined the lives of many. It disproportionately affected certain groups of people and drove many to take their own lives just to put an end to their suffering. 
the families of those who were sentenced have also suffered, struggling to cope with the emotional and financial burden of their loved ones' incarceration. The government has turned a blind eye to the inhumane treatment of these prisoners and their families. But there are still ways to restore a sense of justice and hope. It's widely believed that prisoners past their tariff should be released without delay, while others should be given a release date on a case-by-case basis. This change would do nothing to save those who have already been left to die inside the prison system, and it will do little for the prisoners that will face long-term mental health issues as a result. But it would be the first steps into making sure the IPP sentence never destroys a human life again. If you are affected by any of the content featured in today's episode, please see the show notes or visit www.truecrimebritain.com where you can find links to further support. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.